0: artists and performers especially those who have the privilege of education and understanding of what's going on in the world have an absolute moral duty Mm. to use their platforms to communicate truth
1: music is a mysterious force it can move us profoundly without us even understanding why it inspires and unites us ...and can be a powerful force for bringing about social, cultural and political change. My guest this week is Annika Sutcliffe. She's a musician, violin teacher, orchestra leader and environmental campaigner. In the show she talks about the relationship between music and activism...
0: Violin teacher, mm. and I have private students, and I take them through their grades and their early years of development as violinists, which I absolutely love i just it 's really really heartwarming to see them progress and grow and um, I never knew when I took on teaching how much I'd actually mm-hmm. enjoy it and how much i 'd bond with with the kids that I teach so um, so that 's part of my timetable um, and then I work with two local orchestras, the Bristol Metropolitan and the Bristol classical players. Um so I lead the, both of those on violin and sort of help with the creative running and the decisions around what music we play um, and they're both um, fantastic at sort of community orchestras really but playing to a really high standard um, and they do concerts at St George's and the classical players in Cheltenham as well um, so yeah that takes up a fair bit of time um, and then I... Uh, get involved in variety of other kind of freelance projects. Um, so one we're going to talk about is Terra Collective, Terra Coda. Um, and that's uh, really grown out of um, performing a new work by composer Benji Bauer. And it's a love letter to the earth, he's called it. Mm. So that's really, that came to me, you know, to, to manage the orchestra and just fit so well with what I want to be doing with music because... It's communicating the story of our time, which you know, means a lot to me.
1: Yes, and that's the the, the, the other side of um, a lot of the work you do, which is ca- you're ca- an activist and campaigner. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I know that you have uh, basically two strands, don't you? Of I have had, g- yes. You have
2: had, yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying um, to weave them together more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh,
1: at what point did your um sort of environmental Mm. kind of campaigning mesh with your music was it was it just from the start was it always no
0: I think there was a key moment actually um I mean, back in 2013, I spent a year in Africa and I really, that was, I think, where I was really ignited to wanting to work in some areas of conservation or environmental concern. And I was really like sort of awakened to, what were you doing? Um, I was two? just traveling. I oh, traveled okay. the length of Africa and spent a lot of time in nature. Um, and, you know, it was incredibly privileged, fortunate to be able to do that. Um, and I was quite young, I was in my early 20s. And that ignited a huge, um, awareness of what was going on, um, environmentally, a huge passion for, for wildlife and and conservation and land conservation, geology, all of that. And when I came back, I, I didn't know how to find a job in, in the area of sort of conservation Mm -hmm. and make a living, especially in the UK, um. And I, you know, music had always been my first love. So I actually set up a new orchestra instead of (laughs) finding a job in conservation. Um, And that was called the Insight Ensemble. Um, And we did, over two or three years, we did six big shows at the Loco Club under Temple Meads. And they sort of more and more started having an environmental message in the theme of the show. And I think I realised that there were ways to use performance Um, even orchestral classical performance um, where we could get a story across Mm. and so each show would have a theme and I would weave in a little bit of a a story and you know hints of trying to say something about like we did one that was called Under the Sea um, and we used all recycled plastic in the decor um, and we uh, we had some sort of David Attenborough quotes on the walls about the ocean and you know there were just hints of like bringing a message through that hopefully people would pick up on while they're emotively engaging with the music. Yeah. So so that was I think the point where I started to try and communicate my feelings about what's going on in the world through through musical projects and I Really, the last year or so, I've been very lucky. They've come to me, <laughs> they've fallen in Amazing. my lap. Other people's ideas, mm. and then I've ended up managing the orchestra working to build the musicians for someone else's creative idea, which is also a wonderful way to work.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, we're gonna, we were going to talk about sort of a few pieces of music mm. today. Did they come in any order, these?
0: Um, I think one that is, let's mention first, is Cetacean Story, which is about a whale. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is by David Ridley, who is a good friend of mine and I've I've worked with and commissioned to write music over the years. He commissioned something for the Bristol Metropolitan um, and has done arrangements for my string quartet and other groups. Um, this piece about a whale, he I think he had conceived it years before and then when we did our Insight Ensemble show themed Under the Sea... Um, He said, oh, I have got this piece about a whale that I could sort of resurrect. And I said, great, that sounds beautiful. And it's for double bass solo, which is really rarely heard as a solo instrument and string orchestra. Um, And in the show itself, it was really magical because I got an artist, um, Ruby Bird, to paint um, paintings of a whale while we played the piece in the background Amazing. and each show she did another whale as it was at a different point of sort of breaching out the water and we we lined up the four paintings at the end of four shows and that as a memory of that one of shows was was a really moving emotive moment mm. um and it's a very sad piece of music he realizes he's the last whale in the ocean <laughs> That was an excerpt from a Cetacean Story by David Ridley, composer David Ridley, and performed by Insight Ensemble Strings from Bristol. And we recorded it in Christchurch Studios in Clifton. Um,
1: it's just, it's yeah. absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, and I must mention oh, Alex
0: Pearson, who played the double bass. Right. Who really sort of rose to that challenge because some of the effects, who's getting to be very whale-like. Yeah, were quite I know. Remarkable. <laughs> it was phenomenal. <laughs> I can't
1: believe it. That's why I chose that excerpt actually, because I was flicking through, mm. and I thought that is is just so evocative. Mm. Um, do you know? Is it likely to be performed again um, anytime soon? Possibly. I actually, love to see it live. I
0: would love to
1: perhaps
0: we should curate yes perhaps we should curate an evening of well yes and I might I might talk about this in relation to uh one of the other projects I'm going to talk about in a minute but um there is a new string ensemble brewing um (laughs) and I am (laughs) (laughs) I am looking for yeah environmental themed compositions to put on our programs so Mm. that may well come out again I think it so should, because it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And if you want to listen to the whole thing, because it's about 10 or 12 minutes, mm-hmm. you can go on to SoundCloud. Um, I think it's on Spotify as well, and find David Ridley, and it's called Citation Song. Right.
1: Lovely. Yeah. Right, now, because this is only an hour show, we're <laughs> going to have to move swiftly on. yeah. To a related piece. Yes. Do you want to talk about this
0: one? So while we're on the topic of Wales, (laughs) (laughs) um, this summer, like I was saying, things sort of landed in my lap and I was really grateful. Um, uh, I I was managing the Wilderness Festival Orchestra. So the Wilderness Festival has its own orchestra and has been running for, I think, eight or nine years now. And they always play like fun sort of pop covers and sing along and it's just really great. Um, And this summer they decided to... Just take mm-hmm. uh, go a little bit on a more serious note mm-hmm. and do a, quite an environmental themed set, which was really great. Um, and they were approached by actually an economist called Matthew Agawale, but he's sort of got a keen interest in ecology. And he was his, his approach to it was that. He was often sort of reading science reports about climate and environment and decline of species. And they just didn't always have emotional impact on people. They were just statistics on a page. And sometimes he would like give a presentation and people would go, "Mm, yes, and not necessarily really engage with it. And he wanted to see how we could use music to get the point across. Um, And he was particularly interested in... Whale populations decline, so he got in touch with Ewan Campbell, who's the conductor and does some composition and arranging for the Wilderness Orchestra, and they worked together to redact the Hebrides Overture. So you might know the Hebrides Overture by Felix Mendelssohn. Um, it was written at the turn of the 20th century uh, about the sort of crashing waves around the Hebrides, and it's really stunning, evocative piece and very full uh, as a whole orchestra piece. And they took out um, a note per whale that had died since it was written, mm. which is devastating to listen to because the music becomes more and more sparse and empty, and you can you can really hear that absence. Um, and it's sort of it was very difficult to play because we had to just play kind of one note in each bar of mm, where there would have been a whole yeah. run of semiquavers. Um, and we did this at the festival. We recorded some of the rehearsal. Um, And did it at the festival, and then it was made into a video after, which Mm. hopefully communicated that Mm. point about the whales. We Uh, have a, we have,
1: unfortunately, again, because of the restriction of time, I've had to cut this right down (laughs) and really sort of concertina it. But just to give you a flavour, yeah, totally. um, uh, Let's just have a listen now. And you do hear from Matthew and Ewan at the beginning, just Mm. briefly.
0: Redaction is a term normally associated with censorship and, and silencing history. And so I find it a really, a, a really apt term for this piece, whereby we're showing how human interaction with nature has silenced nature, has removed it,
1: deleted it.
2: I've wanted to do this for 10 or 12 years. Um, to convey the scientific information in a way that people care about. Because for a decade, I've been standing up in front of audiences with PowerPoint slides, and nobody cares. Um, But music is visceral, and it's emotional, and it will land in a way that none of my talks do. So I hope you can make this work. Precipitous decline begins, 73% of notes and whales remaining. 1900, 50% of notes and whales are gone. 1920, this is the low point, just 33% remain.
1: It's such a it's, it's such an amazing idea because you just sort of feel uh, it's like the web of life mm. on Earth. It, 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 it's like when you know what is a beautiful spider's web suddenly looks when half of it's missing. Mm. It just feels wrong, and the music is so it's such a clever way of conveying what's happening. Um, I wish we could play the whole piece, and but it goes on, doesn't it? To mm to say right let's fast forward to see how how it could sound if we do what we need to do to bring back the whale. because after I think there was a there was a moratorium wasn't there on whaling in 1920 and so the whale numbers have started to come back up Um, Mm. and so I've I've done a um, I recorded the the ending where This is what you know things could be like if we do what we need to do. So I'll just yeah, I'll play the end this is so this is the end minute or so of the piece. So what was the reaction like at the festival? It was strange because, you
0: know, it was in the afternoon we did Mm. that set and I don't think people were expecting to be so sort of emotionally touched. (laughs) Um, And I actually thought it was perhaps... um, I mean you get this with like BBC nature documentaries they always want to end hopefully you know they always want to have this like it's a happy ending like that's Mm. kind of not what's going on out there like yes whale Mm. populations have stabilized in some places but we were only looking at one species Mm -hmm. as well Mm. whereas other species are in total plight so yeah I I had some personal internal emotional sort of discomfort actually Mm. with just wanting to make Mm. something have a happy ending, Mm. hear the end of the piece in in all Mm. its triumph.
1: Do you think, I I took it as, as, look, this is what could be if we only do what we need to do, and that's Mm. what we need to keep in mind. Yeah. It's really difficult, this balance between, and I see it a lot on places like Twitter, especially amongst young people, saying, look, please don't be all doom and gloom because... Um, it just makes... We're despairing enough already. We don't, I don't want to despair anymore. And it mm. just kills... It. People were talking about the difference between hope and optimism as well. Yeah. And optimism is useless because if you're just going to sit there and be optimistic about the future, you're not going to do anything to try and make it well, better. Well, I, I think you've got to be um, true. You've got to you be
0: truthful. To be and yeah. I think, you know, looking at all of the sort of social movements that have inspired so much action in the last few years... Um, hearing the hard truth and that having an emotional impact on you does motivate people mm. if mm. Um, if you think that if you have hope and optimism and you think that somebody else is doing the work to fix the problems we have then you're less likely to get off your ass and go and do <laughs> definitely, something definitely. so i do think and mm. I, and i think artists and performers especially those who have the privilege of education and understanding of what's going on in the world have an absolute moral duty mm. to use their platforms To communicate truth Mm. and whether that's reflecting on the social injustices or the environmental issues in the world or, um, you know, speaking their own truth may be part Mm. of what they do in their art. Um, Mm. But that's what art is really. It's communicating through a medium that captures people emotively, communicating some truth, whatever that truth is. And I think we have an opportunity as artists to be really hard hitting actually
1: definitely I think and I think the the point about the optimism versus hope is that Mm. hope is that you recognize that things are really bad but you but there is also this uncertainty Mm. that we don't know exactly what's going to happen and therefore we hope whereas optimism is you just don't yeah nothing happens Mm. Um, I mean
0: for me the hope that comes the hope that I see when I work with orchestras is the togetherness mm, it's the community mm. and the togetherness and Mm you know, what What the orchestra as a unit, as a team, as, you know, a sharing of love, a focus of concentration and together. Mm. Um, that's, for me, where the joy mm. and the hope mm. comes yeah. because it sort of communicates that very beautifully.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, it's almost quarter to 12 and uh, you're listening to One Love, One Planet with me, Penny Southgate, and I'm talking to co-BCFM presenter, Annika Sutcliffe, um, about the way that music can help to convey the plight that we are currently in um we we have time we don't have much time but it would be we really do need to hear um about your other mm. big well one of your other big projects Trees for Music. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about? Yeah, this?
0: so um, Trees of Music. Um, Sorry, Trees of Music. That's okay, is an existing charity which um, had been running for about a year before I took on directing it um, just about four months ago, and basically it's trying to connect the music industry, particularly string players, um, with issues of environmental concern because um, it's very niche but the wood that our <laughs> yeah, it uh, is <laughs> <it's> quite niche <laughs> the wood that our bows are made from um, uh, the, the brazilwood tree pernambuco is its technical term pal brazil is at risk of extinction there's less Can I just than start? sorry mm. what
1: proportion of violin bows are made? oh 99 oh yeah. oh is that many? yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Gosh. i mean
0: nowadays you get carbon fiber bows which is a it's a good alternative but right. not doesn't respond and react quite as well as mm. pernambuco Um, But there are literally less than 2,000 of these trees left, mature trees in the wild, so to speak. Um, And they only grow in the Atlantic forest in Brazil, which is sort of northeast Brazil. Mm -hmm. Um, They need the nutrients that come off the Atlantic and the particular conditions there. So um, trees of music... As a project, which its umbrella organisation is RAIN, uh, which stands for Regenerative Agroforestry Impact Network, bit of a mouthful. Um, And they're planting various species in this part of Brazil, working with local communities, working with indigenous people, farmers, schools um, to regenerate the forests. And it's not just planting the trees like in plantations and then putting them in the forest, but it's also... Uh, bringing springs back to life Mm. Um, you know looking at nutrients in the soil all the kind of wholesome ways which are going to keep a forest healthy and Pernambuco is one of the main species Mm. they're planting so through this story of the you know the decline of this particular tree um, that classical musicians particularly string players have relied on for Mm. three four hundred years our bows have been made of this it's um you know, I, th- I think it's just a way of it connecting, isn't it? Because a lot Absolutely. of people think, well, how yeah. does this environmental crisis really affect yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, let's look at your just instrument in your example. hand. Yeah. yeah, that we're not going to be able to continue making bows from this material in the next decade or two, um, unless we get very serious about planting. Mm. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's devastating that we've, the forests, the Atlantic forests have been reduced by 94% what it was 94%. a century ago um you see the same thing in in borneo mm. with virgin forest and now it's all palm oil and you, you mm. know you see this all yeah. over the world um but it's a really particular story that trees of music are looking at um to try and grab the attention within the classical music world particularly
1: ah uh, do yeah. you know are there moves currently to um to reforest that area or to preserve it or do you know what's going yeah, on? Yeah,
0: so there there's different conservation projects and there's government protection mm. on those existing right. mature trees. And then our project, which is planting, is one of a few different initiatives that's planting. And some have more of a motivation of a sustainable bow making industry. So planting the trees, we've got a commitment that over fifty percent of the trees we plant are for regeneration of the forest. Mm. Um, they take about 50 years to maturity for bow making. Yeah. So knowing what I know about the state of the world and the climate crisis, I'm not sure that looking at 50 years ahead mm. <laughs> of bow making is actually a sensible mm. way to be thinking. Mm. And of course, everything is done to reuse um, existing woodstocks that yeah. are around. I mean, there's some people even making bows, cutting wood from old railway sleepers and things like that to make bows, which is amazing. Um, Have you? Yeah.
1: Can you actually tell, as a violinist, would you be able to tell if somebody handed you a bow made of pernambuco and one that wasn't? Does it? How does it? Um, does it feel? I, very I might different? if I play with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So,
0: so pernambuco is particularly good um, because it's very springy right. and bends very easily, mm. um, and when you do quite sort of technical, quite sort of bouncy bowing, um, it springs back very effectively so
1: I just love it because those that's the kind of thing that just tells you so much more about the trees and Mm. because we just think of trees you know Mm. you just think of these long brown cylindrical things and in those (laughs) forests and yet each individual yes exactly they all have their different patterns and stories and identities and this is such a brilliant way to To bring it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, the most exciting thing for me that I'm going to do with this project is build a new strings ensemble uh, in the new year. So, um, uh, and then we're going to, hopefully relying on funding applications, uh, we're going to be doing concerts that really um, communicate as we've talked about through music and, and new compositions the story of what we're doing. So we might have a bit of film from Brazil about the trees. Mm -hmm. We might have sort of cross-cultural pieces of music where we've Mm. brought in Brazilian composers or or Mm. rearranged Brazilian music for our ensemble ensemble. Um, and that, that's, I feel, a really exciting way to work that's sort of a bit cross-genre and yeah. cross-cultures.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, will you come back on and tell us about them? when Absolutely, you're doing them? yeah. Just keep, yeah, No. Yeah. It, would, it would be wonderful. <laughs> Just whenever you want to come on and tell us about what you're doing, please do. Because um, I think we're out of time now. Yeah. <clears throat> but thank you so much, Annika. No, thank you. Fantastic. Have you got time to play a bit of the
2: Terror Collective? This is a love letter to the earth. A cry to the mother who bore all life on this planet. An apology for the destruction of what we call home. Born out of a deep connection and yearning for nature and a reaction to the climate crisis. In these times of division and fear, I find peace in wilderness. I find calm in the country and I find strength in the oceans.